0: We're in a, we're in a uh, week two of a series called Block Party, and uh, it's our hope through this series that you would uh, personally understand the role that God wants you to play in our community, which is Northwest Atlanta, not just here in our community, but in our country, in our world, and, um, which is to help people come to faith and then to help them to begin to take steps to become disciples, fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Now, as a bit of a review a few weeks ago. I talked about the issue of, of compassion and the importance of of having compassion towards one another towards uh, our neighbor and if you remember in Luke chapter ten, there was a teacher of the law that that came up to Jesus and, and asked him a question about how he could have eternal life and Jesus uh, doing what Jesus did, he would sometimes uh, answer a question, he would answer a question by throwing a question back at the person who just had, 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 had asked him, and uh, he does this in this incident. And so Jesus says, well, what do you think it says? Well, you know the law. What does it say? And, Jesus, and this guy says in Luke chapter 10, he says, well, okay, love, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your, your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. And then he says this, love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, you got it right. Now do that and you will live. The teacher of the law then asked Jesus the magic question who is my neighbor? And Jesus defines neighbor by telling him a story of this Samaritan guy who comes to uh, upon a Jewish guy. He's actually traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he runs comes upon this Jewish guy who's on his path. And this Jewish man has been beaten, he's been robbed, he's been left for dead. And the the Samaritan guy shows the Jewish guy compassion. You say, well, what's what's the big deal about this story? Well, the Jews despised and looked down upon the Samaritans. The Samaritans didn't think too highly of the Jews. So this story would have rocked this teacher of the law's mind. I mean, this would have been really outside of the box. Even though the story may have actually happened, and this guy may have known about it, because Jesus just told this man that his neighbor is anyone who comes, who he comes, who come. Uh, anyone who comes across your path. Any, your neighbor is anyone who comes across your path. Now now don't miss this. Hundreds of hundreds hundreds of years of Jewish law dating back to Moses, Leviticus nineteen, Deuteronomy chapter six, um, and Jesus redefines the word neighbor right here to include everyone. In other words, your neighbor is not just another Jewish person or a person who lives next door or a relative. It's anyone who comes across your path. In other words, if we're going to have a block party, all right, we're really going to have a block party. And if we're going to invest in our neighbors and invite them into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, then we need to know that God wants the whole neighborhood to be invited to the party. That means that whites and blacks and Hispanics and Asians and Indians and rednecks and Yankees and Jews and Gentiles and Muslims and Hindus and Buddhists, that they, all get, they all get an invitation. Now that doesn't mean that everybody's going to accept the invitation, but I will tell you this, one of the core values of my life is that everyone deserves an opportunity to be brought to Jesus. Everyone. Now, as you know, we've had another tough week in our nation. Uh, we had a, a black man shot and killed by a police officer in Charlotte. There was a similar situation that happened in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And so as a result, um, there have been several nights of, of protesting that, it, that has happened in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, most recently in downtown Atlanta. And, I mean, there's just anger and hatred that is going on all over social media. We, we hear it on the news. We, 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 we pick it up on the streets. I mean, and it's from all races, and I've actually had several conversations this past week about race with not just white families, but I've, I've sat down with African-American families and, and talked about this issue. And uh, and then three days ago, this whole issue got actually a little bit more personal for me. Uh, as you know, we have a, a, one of our guys who, uh, a min, part of a ministry that we helped to start, a guy by the name of Terrence Lester, who is, who is walking from, Atlanta, downtown Atlanta, all the way to Washington, D.C. He'll get there uh, sometime in the middle of October. And he's trying to raise awareness for poverty and homelessness. And uh, about three days ago, he, he attempted to walk into a church in Greensboro, North Carolina. And uh, he wanted to go in and walk. He wanted to ask for prayer because he's been struggling with severe foot pain. And the woman greeted him, at a, a staff member of this church, greeted him at the door and told him, that he had to leave, that he, that, he, that he really wasn't welcome. And so he asked her, um, could I at least use the restroom? And she told him no. Now, as you know, Terrence is, a, is an African-American, and he, he's a friend of mine. And, and when I heard this, I was really upset. And uh, quite honestly, I was getting ready to pick up the phone and make a phone call. And then I thought, well, maybe I'll just put their picture of the church hipper on the screen on Sunday morning at Westridge and uh, call him out. And so, But then... Okay, I I came to my senses a little bit. Um, Although it still goes through my head. Uh, My brother-in-law, who is a white pastor in Winston-Salem, a couple hours later, met with Terrence, took him to a shoe store that specializes in custom running shoes, and the store fitted Terrence with a brand new pair of really nice and expensive Brooks shoes, and then gave him the shoes for free. And... um, Now, you may be going, well, why am I telling you this story? Well, tensions are high. Tensions are high in North Carolina. Tensions are high in downtown Atlanta. Tensions are high all over our country. And, and, And the church, the followers of Jesus Christ, we have to do better than what we're doing right now. We have to lead the way towards racial reconciliation in our country. And you say, how do we do that? Well, as Paul Richardson talked about last week, it has to begin with prayer. And then we have to love our neighbor. Who is our neighbor? Jesus is our neighbor. Is anyone God brings across our path. We have to sit down and start talking to each other we have to listen to each other we have to try to understand one another we have to have compassion towards one another and we have to believe with all of our heart that Jesus is the answer to this issue and then every other issue that we're ever going to deal with now I know that some of you are thinking and you have thought listen this problem is way too deep there, there's way too much history the wounds are never going to heal the anger is too great there, there's too much fear amongst all races the the, the divide is too wide L- let me say this okay Jesus did not leave his followers on this earth to be fearful and helpless. He did not leave us here to be divided and hopeless. Instead, he gave us his love. He transformed our lives by giving us salvation. He left us here with his Holy Spirit. to to give us the power to live victoriously over sin and every other issue that that we're going to face. And then he did something absolutely amazing. He took his own authority, which had been given to him by his own father, and he gave it to us so that we could share his love with all people of all nations and of all races. And so listen, this is not a time for fear. It's not a time for anger and division. This is not a time for the church to hide. This is not a time to turn people away at the door. This is time for Christians to come together and to use the authority that has been given to us to bring healing, to bring peace, to bring love, to bring unity, and to bring, to bring Jesus into our broken community, nation, and world. This is our time. It's time For true followers of Jesus Christ to put on display the fact that there is not a situation that we will face that is too big for God to handle. Now, I'm going to say this to you, and I'm going to say it in love to you the best way that I can. When you see these videos on TV or social media and you default to racism, you need to take a good look in the mirror and you need to repent of your sin. And you need to ask God to help you to default to the spirit. Because racism is sin and we need to be better. We, we need to be the ambassadors of hope and reconciliation in this nation. And I, my prayer is it begins right here at Westridge Church in Paulding County that we are, we are part of the solution to what God is calling us to do and part of the solution to, to what's happening in our country right now. Now, I want to take a look at the story of a story of an encounter that Jesus had with a man in the book of Mark that I think illustrates this point beautifully. And, and, and I'm just going to say this, it's a, it's an extreme story from actually the world's eyes. This is a hopeless situation that Jesus encounters. Now get your Bibles. If you would turn to Mark chapter five. And while you're doing that, I want to tell you that in Mark chapter five, there are three great stories of transformation. There's a woman who has been bleeding for 12 years and Jesus heals her. There is a, 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 a young lady who, who dies and, and Jesus raises her from the dead. And they're all cool stories. However, my favorite story in this chapter starts right at the very beginning of the chapter. The disciples uh, are out in a boat with Jesus and this storm comes upon the Sea of Galilee and it's just creating havoc for them. It's rocking the boat. They're scared to death. Jesus is sleeping in the boat. They wake him up. He gets up he, 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 and he speaks with authority. He speaks calm and peace and the waves just die down. And the disciples are like, what in the world? I mean, what, who has authority to even calm the waves in the sea? And then Mark chapter five, verse one, it says, they, they, they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. So now they, they've, they've landed on the shore and they're in a, an area that's not a Jewish area. And it says, And when, the, when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. And no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out. And it was so bad, the Bible says he was cutting himself with stones. So what's this man's challenges? Well, he's got a lot of things going on here. And I want to give you this morning a lot of outlines. And I want to tell you sometimes why I give you a lot of outline. Because I want you to take these outlines and I want you to go into your small groups and to be able to have a great discussion. So a lot of times I give outlines like this so that you can remember exactly what I talked about. First of all, This guy was possessed by demons. Uh, This is a guy who's living in total bondage. Somehow or another, he had opened his life up to allow a host of demonic spirits to to take over his body. And now he's completely under their control. Now, you may be saying, do do, do demons still possess people? Absolutely. There have been a few times on on missions trips in Jamaica, most recently in Africa, that I've actually witnessed demonic people and demonic activity in action. And I'm going to tell you, it's freaky stuff. All right, and and I've had over the last twenty eight years, I've had parents call me and just say, "Hey, listen, um, I, I think that my kid is is demon possessed." Um, Amy and I have felt that way a few times ourselves, and 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 for some of you uh, that I know, it's understandable. Okay? I, I know some of your kids, but <laughs> totally totally playing, not really. So, but I do want to say this in truth: if if your son or daughter is a Christian, they may, they may be oppressed, but they're not possessed. Okay. The second thing that this guy dealt with is he lived in a graveyard. He lived in the tombs. He lived in the tombs. Now, here's a guy that, 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 that lives among the, in this graveyard. And, and the accounts of the story, which are also given in Matthew and Luke, say that there were actually two demon-possessed guys in the story. But it appears that Mark chooses to focus on the more aggressive of the two. Now, imagine living in a graveyard, and you're, and you're full of demons. And all of your neighbors around you, I mean, you've got one other guy, but everyone else is dead. And there's no one to help you, no one to talk to. It's obvious that these demons have, have forced this man to live in a scary, hopeless, lonely state. And so he's also full of anger. Matthew chapter 8 tells us that this man was, was, was extremely violent, so much that people could not even pass the graveyard without confrontation. He also lived in chains. Verse 4 here tells us that, that there was a point where this man was bound in chains. His hands and feet were in shackles, but he was out of control. He became so empowered by the demons that lived inside of him that even chains could no longer restrain him. No one could bring this guy under control. He was an absolute emotional wreck. Mark tells us that all day long, all day long, all night long, this man would cry out from his home amongst the tombs. He was in emotional distress. I mean, the demons tormented him all day and all night. And so he became self-destructive. And Mark tells us that he cut himself with stones. I mean, this guy was a desperate man. His situation had actually driven him to self-mutilation. Now, there's something about human nature that when we suffer, we try to escape from our suffering. We look for diversions from our issues. And sometimes it might be alcohol, it might be drugs, it might be pornography. For some people, it might be just movies or video games, whatever. I mean, because people desperately want to keep their minds occupied so that they can escape from the reality of their loneliness and their pain and suffering. And here's this guy here. He's, he's cutting himself with stones, trying to escape from you know, the, the, what he's going through. He has no hope, he has no future, he has no life. He's a dead man walking. This is what you call a hopeless situation. This is a guy who is, you know, as, we talk, as we just sang about a few moments ago, this is a guy who is in desperate need of a rescue. Because the bottom line is, he's spiritually lost. But look at what happens. In verse 6, It says, and when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and he fell down before him. Now, one of the amazing things about this story is that even in the midst of the craziness that's going on here and and the crazed state that this man is in, he recognizes that Jesus is his only hope. And he runs to Jesus, and the Bible says he bows down in front of Jesus. Now, let me make a point here that's very interesting. The words fell down before him in the Greek come from a word that is pronounced proskaneo, which means to worship. In other words, demons, they hate everything about God, but when they are confronted by the presence of Jesus, they are forced to bow down and worship him. That's how powerful Jesus is. That means that there is nothing that you or I are dealing with right now that is outside of the transforming grace and power given to you through your relationship with Jesus Christ. Look at verse 7. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What, you, what, 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 what have you to do with me, son, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Jesus was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asks him a question. He says, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now, a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him saying, send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs in the herd numbering about 2,000. 2,000 pigs rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled, told it, in the city, in the country, and people came to see what, was, what it was that was happened, that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had uh, been filled with the legion, had the legion sitting there clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described it to them, what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region like Jesus you just killed off our economy. Get out of here. All right? Now, there are some, there are some stories in the Bible that honestly, they, they create some really funny images in your mind. And this is one of those stories. Um, I've actually been to this part of the world before, and I've been out in a boat in the Sea of Galilee. And when you look over at the region of Gadara, here's what you see. You just see these steep, rocky cliffs. Now, I want you just to just imagine for just a moment that you're in a boat fishing with a bunch of your buddies. A bunch of your friends and you're all out there fishing, and you're kind of you look over at, at the area of Gadera there, and you see these rocky, steep cliffs. And all of a sudden, you're, you're looking and you, you, you see pigs jumping off the cliff. I mean, it's like oink splash, oink splash, oink, and 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 you everybody starts dropping their fishing poles. And your buddy taps you on the shoulder. He goes, "Look, look over there, deviled ham." I mean, <laughs> I don't listen. I don't tell a lot of corny jokes, but thank you, okay? But can you just see this? I mean, can, and can you hear the stories the owners of the, 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 these pigs had been telling? I mean, had, had to have told. I mean, these, these stories had to have passed down from generations. And the, and the people in the town, I mean, had to be scared to death. Who is this man that has the power to cast demons into pigs? The Bible actually says they were frightened. But what happened to the man possessed by What did Jesus actually do for this guy? Here's what he did. Jesus transformed his heart. He set him free from his bondage. Jesus spoke to the demons that possessed him and cast them out. In other words, Jesus set this man free. The inner bondage that had held on on this to this man's life was gone. The destructive behavior, the emotional oppression, the, the spiritual depravity was gone. And for the first time, this man was free. John chapter eight, verse 36 says, so if the sun sets you free, you are what? You are free indeed. One of the greatest joys of now pastoring this church for over 19 years has just been watching so many of you be set free from the power that sin had over your life and now getting a chance to watch you walk in victory. I just love that about what I get a chance to do. But Jesus also brought peace to this guy's life. Verse 15 tells us that, after the pig farmers went and told everyone about what had happened to their pigs and, and to the man, that the people came to town to see Jesus because they, they wanted to see what happened. And when they got there, they're looking at this man and they're seeing him sitting there calmly. He's no longer running all over the place, terrorizing his neighbors. He's no longer crying out in agony. He's no longer cutting himself. There's there's now a peace and calmness that had come into his life. I mean, moments ago, Jesus calmed nature, and now he has brought complete peace and calmness to this man's life, to this desperate man's life. Galatians chapter 5 tells us that one of the signs that the Holy Spirit's now in control of your life is self-control. And self-control is actually a fruit of the Holy Spirit. this man now, his life has been changed. Jesus has brought peace to his life. He's also given him a hope for his future. One of the interesting things about verse 15, it says that when the people came to see him, he was now dressed. Which obviously means that earlier in the story, he was naked. And if you're bold enough to run around naked, I'd say you've lost all hope. I mean, seriously, if you you have nothing to live for and your life is in ruins, then, then why get dressed in the morning? And you might know people that, that, that feel that way, or you may feel that way. Why, why even get out of bed? I, I, I have no hope. Life is a mess. Why even get up and get dressed? You know, hope is an interesting thing to me because people will do crazy things when they lose all hope. They, they will do some desperate things. And some of you are here today, and you may have lost hope. You may be looking at life going, there's, there's nothing in my future. I, I, I can't see anything that... that is ahead of me that, that, that brings, could bring me happiness or that looks like it's going you know, to brighten my future. Many of you know people who have lost hope. People do desperate things when they feel like they've lost hope. But when this man found Jesus, it brought him hope. He now had hope for his future. His transformed life gave, gave him a, a, a sense of respect for himself that he had lost, and it gave him a new lease on life. But then also his thought pattern began to change. Not only was, was he at peace, and not only was he now dressed, but Mark tells us that he was in his right mind. His mind went from a world of darkness and anger and destruction to a, a world of clarity and peace. And for the first time in who knows how long, this guy was actually able to think clearly. Romans 8, 6 says, The mind of a sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Here's the bottom line. This guy experienced true life change. How in the world does that happen? How can an encounter with Jesus so radically change your life? Well, I think in order to understand that, we have to look at the whole picture. Here's what we have to understand. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Let me read this verse. It says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin. This guy wasn't just spiritually lost. He was spiritually dead. There was nothing inside of him. I mean, he was lost. there was no hope. There was no future because all that was in him was spiritual death. But 2 Corinthians chapter 5 or 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's what? He's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This guy is a brand new person inside. He is spiritually alive. But check this out. Not only did Jesus transform his heart, but he gave him purpose. Look at verse 18. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. Jesus had this amazing ability to give life, meaning, and purpose. And here's this man. This man wants to get into the boat with Jesus. I mean, if your life's been changed like this, you want to go with the guy who just made that happen, right? And here he's begging Jesus, please let me go to where you're going. Let me hang out with you. And Jesus said, no, I don't want you to go with me. I have something actually much greater planned for your life. I want you to go to your family, and I want you to share what has happened in your life. Listen, this guy didn't just go to his family, this guy actually went to 10 different cities. He went to the Decapolis and he told everyone that would listen about how this radical teacher named Jesus had transformed his life and how that Jesus had had, had given him a reason to live and how he had brought hope back to his life and now gave him a purpose. And the Bible says that the people that listened to him were amazed. This guy went from death to life in one moment. He went from being a crazed, naked lunatic to being a well-spoken, clothed evangelist. Jesus didn't just deal, uh, deliver this guy from demon possession. He, no, he gave, his, he, he gave his life meaning and purpose, and now his purpose was to go to his family and then to go to his community proclaiming how much God had done for him. Listen, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, when you discover your purpose in life, it will always revolve around bringing glory to God, not yourself. It will, it will involve being on mission to tell people about the life-changing message of, of the gospel and how it's changed your life, no, no matter what, what kind of uh, profession you're in. God has led you to the neighborhood that you live in right now. He's placed you in the family that you're in. He's strategically placed you in the job or career that you're in. The ball field that your kids play on, it's not an accident. The gym, the the dance studio, the football bleachers, the, the band parents, the Boy Scouts, the Girl Scouts, and all the parents. Listen, these are your neighbors, They are the people that God has placed in your path. Wherever you live, work, or play, it's all connected to the mission and the purpose that God has for your life. It's where he has placed you to live out the mission of Jesus. And I know some of you are like, how do I tackle that? Because it's overwhelming. It scares me to death. And then we start talking about the whole racial situation that's going on in our country how do I even engage that? Because, I mean, Brian, let's, I'm honest. I mean, whether you're white, you're black, or Hispanic, or you're Asian, I mean, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of people out there that are not, they're just, not just angry, they're fearful. Here's how you tackle it. You tackle it with the authority that has been given to you in Christ. Look at what Jesus did for this guy. He didn't just transform his heart and didn't just give his life mission and purpose Jesus gave this guy authority. I'm going to read verse. Let me, let me look at it just for a moment. Look on the screen for a moment. Luke chapter 4, verse 6. This is Luke's account. He says, And they were all amazed and said to one another, when Jesus cast the demons out of the sky, they said, What is this word? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. In other words, Jesus had authority. To not only calm the waves, he had authority to cast out demons. And if you look in Matthew chapter 28, it says it all came from his father. Now if you look at Mark chapter 5 verse 19, here's what Jesus says to this man, this, this guy. He says, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Now the word go here is the Greek word Hypago, And it means go away with authority. In other words, Jesus has just given this man authority to go tell his neighbors what the Lord has done for him and how he has had mercy on him. This is the same guy who just a few moments ago in the story was full of demons running around naked in a graveyard. This is the same guy who attacked people when they came near him. And you talk about a guy who, I mean, all of a sudden Jesus has said, go with authority. This is a guy who probably had to overcome some doubts and fears to do what Jesus has just called him to do. Because why? This guy has quite a past going on here, doesn't he? People knew this guy. This guy was talked about. You don't have a a guy like this running around naked in a graveyard who's demon-possessed without conversations going on in the town square. People knew this guy's story. And I'm sure that, that, that that's an issue for some of you as you think about engaging your neighbors with the gospel, as you think about inviting them into God's block party. People know you. People, there's people in this auditorium you went to high school with, you went to college with. They grew up with you. People around you, maybe they've seen the worst of you. They know your story. Listen, there's just something about receiving God's grace and experiencing his mercy that just gives you boldness because you realize how much you've been forgiven how much you've been set free what god's done in your life and listen a transformed life is hard to argue with isn't it it's hard to argue i mean you, you think about the people in this story they're watching this man preaching with authority what jesus has done and they're like man I, it's hard to argue with that guy last time i saw him he was naked running around full of demons and now look at this guy Listen, I want you to know, you have been given a mission, but you've also been given authority to carry that mission out. It's the same authority that God the Father gave his son. I mean, that's how powerful it is. That's that's as powerful as it gets, folks. You can't get more powerful. See, when you have authority, you have the same power behind your words, and your words carry the same weight because someone greater than you has given you authorization to say them. Listen, I know it's easy to turn on the news, to get on social media, just look around and just feel like, man, the world's falling apart. But, church, listen, it's our time to shine. It's our time to shine. This is not a time to shrink back in fear. This is not a time to go to default. No. This is a time to engage the messiness and the sinfulness of our neighbors and the world around us with the only thing that's going to change them, the love of Jesus Christ, the message of the gospel. And like this man in the story, I mean, we're not much different. I mean, the facts are a little different, but listen, Jesus has transformed our lives. If you're in here today and you are a Christ follower, you have truly put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone and you received his gift of salvation. Jesus has transformed your life, but he's given you a mission. And now he's given you the authority to carry it on. And with that authority, we have been authorized, we've been commissioned to go with boldness and confidence and to get the job done. Amen, Westridge? All right, let's pray together. Father, thank you that in the midst of a lot of fear and a lot of craziness, a lot of what looks to be a world that's very unsettled, there's always hope because of Jesus. You are greater than our fears. You are so much greater than our sinfulness. Father, as we look at just our neighbors, The people you bring across our path. May we choose today to be ambassadors of the love of Jesus, the message of hope, with the same authority that Jesus had as he got out of that boat and went into that graveyard and met that man. And his very words spoke power and set this man free because he was sharing the gospel, the message that only Jesus could bring. And now, Lord, here we are today, 2,000 years later, with the same authority, with the same message. And we know how the story ends. And we know that Jesus died and he rose from the dead to give us a victory over fear and over death and over sin. And so, Lord, thank you for that. If you're here today, you've never truly put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to be your personal Savior I don't want to leave here without giving you a chance to do that just in this moment if you just want to just cry out in your heart to the Lord and say Lord oh please Lord would you come would you engage my world right now the hopelessness the lostness of my own world would you save me Father I am sorry for my sin and I receive your gift of salvation right now Every bit of hope, every bit of faith and trust, I put it all in what Jesus has done for me at this moment, not in myself. And I believe that Jesus is truly the Son of God and I ask you to be my Savior. Father, thank you for that. If you've just done that just now, I want you to get your Get Connected card out, fill it out, let us know you've done that. Put it at the bu- put it in the bucket as, in the door, at the doors as you go out or take it to the help center in the, audit, in the atrium. We want to help you to take your next step with Christ. But Father... Thank you, thank you for your word. Thank you for stories of hope. Thank you for the promises that we can claim today. Thank you that we can walk out of here today with your authority. We are a people that we've been empowered with your grace to be ambassadors of hope, ambassadors of love, ambassadors of reconciliation to a world that desperately needs that message. We thank you for that in Jesus' name, amen.